I'm going in search of witches. Witches? Witches. I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. You know, sort of like a coven. We were placed fester under some strange sexual spell. And what time will we be spellcasting? witches and welcome to moonstone witchery the podcast where we talk about witchcraft and spirituality in a modern context my name is Rian Lockard and I am super happy to be chatting with you today I realized that well I realized two things one each of my seasons I am in season six I finally sorted that out for my life this morning um, because today is the day when I'm recording this that I dropped my full season and then I found out it wasn't actually a full season because I needed one more episode. Each of my seasons just magically tended to have 10 episodes apiece. So I dropped nine this morning. So I owe y'all one. And then in my next season, I'm going to do something really cool and exciting. And so stay tuned for that. But I'm on a more regular podcasting schedule, so we won't have to wait so long. But I realized that I had told you in my first episode of season six that I was going to chat with you about mediumship and some past life stuff. So I figured I could put that together. They kind of go together and I could like slam them into one episode. So this is that episode. So let's talk ghosties and mediumship and past lives and all the cool stuff today, okay? The first thing I want to chat about in regards to mediumship is that um, I really think it's important to understand that when you're communicating with a loved one who has passed away or who has crossed over or who is transitioned or whatever word you feel comfortable with, it's going to be a different experience for you than when you're just talking to your guides. And I do believe truly in my soul. I believe a couple things. One, I really feel like everybody is capable of having intuitive giftedness not even capable of having it. I believe everybody does have it. I think everybody is capable of developing it to a point that they can use it to help them get through their lives, that they can lean heavily upon it when they're doing things. I just think that your intuitive gift is something that you have access to to the same degree or at least to some degree, in the same way that everybody else does. And I mean, yes, like with all our senses, um, some people have better vision, some people have a more sensitive sense of smell, um, some people really are sensitive to touch and to different textures and things like that. So the continuum upon which your intuitive skill naturally falls is going to be probably preset in some way or another. But we can work with any of our senses to develop them or heighten them or strengthen them. And I don't see why this is any different. And so 
to be an intuitive, I also, I'm going to just share this real quick. I do have for my next season planned um, an episode, which is called Empath 102. And it is about um, kind of using your empath powers for good, um, for your own empowerment. So I won't spoil too much of it, but this pertains. So I was recently having a conversation with a client of mine because in the one-on-one coaching that I do, and she was sort of asking for skills to develop her empathic side and to help support her in a way that would make it less like it's happening at her and more like she's in charge of it. And out of my mouth, channeled from the divine, of course, comes this phrase, um, An intuitive is simply an empath with boundaries. It's good, right? Like, aren't you like, ooh, yes. (laughs) Because that's what I was like. I was like, oh, hello. Yes, that is correct. An intuitive is simply an empath with boundaries. Now, what the hell do I mean when I say that? Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you. Um, An empath having boundaries means that they are not getting all up in the business of the energy that they are sensing. An empath without boundaries feels a feeling, feels an energy, and makes it belong to them, and it makes it their responsibility. Now, an empath with boundaries, who is now in the realm of being an intuitive, is an observer they are a field researcher. They are a detective. They are watching. They are sensing. They are perceiving the energy all around them, but they are not getting all involved in it because, drum roll please, they have boundaries. So me as an empath would get all like twisted up and like accept an invitation into drama me as an intuitive would be like oh interesting that's spiraling out over there let me watch it okay now i share this because if you're trying to develop your mediumship skills or if you're trying to heighten your intuitive development i need you to realize that this is an observation career path right like and even if it's not going to be your career path this is a exercise in observance We don't have to solve the problems just because we know about the problems. In fact, if you want me to be honest, um, which good luck to anybody who doesn't because I can't control myself from telling the truth. Um, But if you want me to be honest, I will tell you, like, you literally can't solve other people's problems for them. You already know this. And yet we still try, right? We're still like, well, you need to do this. We don't go, would you like my um, perspective on that subject? Because consent matters, yo, even in conversation. But so an empath, me as an empath is going to get all twisted, all like dysregulated, all like, you know, fucked up by somebody else's energy around me. Me as an intuitive is going to study it, pay attention to it, identify it, trace it back to the source, who's radiating what energy, what's going on with them, what is their energy shifting into, what's it telling me it's going to do, where does that energy come from. But because I have boundaries, I can distance myself from it a little bit. I can take a step backwards and I can be like, hmm, that's happening. But it doesn't affect me because it's not about me. This is like the biggest self-work thing ever. 
allowing things to not be about you is some major shadow work. In the Academy, we did a whole shadow work course on taking nothing personally and realizing that most things that affect you or upset you really have nothing to do with you. And the same is true when you are an energy observer. When you are aware of energy, whether you're an empath or an intuitive, that energy usually 99% of the time has really nothing to do with you. I could even make a pretty solid argument that nothing has anything to do with anybody else besides the person who's like having the experience. But like, that's only like mildly true. It's, it's true and it's not true dramatically at the same time. Duality. Um, but so if you are deciding, okay, I want to make the transition. I want to switch from empath to an intuitive. Hear me when I say to you that you need to decide that you're going to have boundaries. You're not going to let something bother you unless it's clearly about you. You can give yourself permission for the sake of developing your intuitive giftedness, if you need to, to step back and observe and watch and read and perceive the energy field. Now, when you start to do this and you start to become aware of your intuition and you start to invite your guides in and ask them for more communication and you do all the things because you attended the academy and you know how to initiate this contact and you know how to put parameters on it. And if you haven't signed up for the academy, you sure as hell still can. Please go to my website. Um, But because you've taken this class or because you've like done the research or whatever you've done, you know how to get in contact with your guides, right? And so you're like, okay, I know how to get in contact with my guides. I know how to invite them in. I know how to like clear my channel. I know how to listen. I know what it's going to feel like. Now we have to clear out the us part of it. Because if you are an intuitive, you are a channel of information. You are not the originator of the information. Those are separate things. When you're trying to read someone or a situation or a dynamic or whatever, you're not creating that. You're just looking at what the energy around it looks like. And then you're sharing that with somebody else who can't see it as clearly as you. So you're going to get really comfortable with being aware of what's the energy around me? What does it look like? And how can I interact with it? And how can I put names to it? And how can I identify it? And how can I see like, Who is this energy attached to and where does it come from? And all of those other questions that I talked about a minute ago. And so you're going to observe and you're going to become familiar with the feeling that you have when your intuition is activated because you took the class in my academy and I taught you how to do that. But you're going to become familiar with what it's like to have your intuition be activated and speaking to you and nudging you in a direction. And then you're going to be additionally familiar with what it's like when your guides are talking to you and when they're sharing with you information or guidance or pushing you in one direction or another. And that's going to feel or like live in your body in a certain way. And you're going to be familiar with that because you took a step back from taking things personally and you decided to be curious and you decided to be an observer. So you're going to become really comfortable with intuition and how it feels with your guides and what they are like and how they speak to you and how they communicate with you. And then the next layer of this is mediumship work. And that is what I want you to hear from me today is that that's going to feel different than either of those two other things. They're all going to feel different from each other. But the mediumship work is definitively very um, unique. 
So whenever I have done any intentional or unintentional mediumship work, quite honestly, there's a specific place inside my brain that like gets activated that I can feel kind of open up or like turn on or illuminate in some capacity. And I have to be so quiet within my own self in order to be present to the medium channel that is coming through me. And I have to do this thing where I am like, okay, I am going to radically trust whatever I receive, even if it makes zero sense to me whatsoever in this moment. And so if you can get to that point where you can step outside or step aside from your own self to that degree, you're going to have an easier time of being in your mediumship channel because this is not about you. This is about your client receiving the communication that they deserve, that they have asked for, and you stepping outside of that space so that that information can flow through you. If you are spending so much time second-guessing yourself or creating doubt within yourself or saying, I can't say that, it doesn't make any sense, then you're having a problem because these messages aren't for you, so they're not going to make sense to you. And then the reverse is true, right? Like people will start to do mediumship readings for themselves and they'll be like, oh yeah, but that was just like obvious. Of course, grandma would say that. Well, yeah, but grandma's talking to you, so of course grandma would say that. We have to eradicate our self-doubt if we want to have success in our channel. <clears throat> and so whenever I'm doing a mediumship reading, the first thing that happens is, is I set the parameters for who I'm trying to talk to because there's a lot of dead people floating around and they are all like hungry to send a message. And if you open up that microphone, they're all going to rush the stage. So try your best to have some parameters on who is and is not allowed to talk to you. And, you know, the very superstitious or worried among us, and they might have valid place for this, are going to be really hypervigilant by telling you and warning you to, like, make sure you have parameters set. So instead of saying who's not allowed to talk to you and accidentally forgetting someone on that list, just say who you are choosing to talk to through your channel. And if you're just starting out, you can just say something like, they're not allowed into my body because we don't need to invite any of that. Um, <clears throat> but there's a couple ways that you can do mediumship work, and I'm going to tell a couple stories during this episode too. But one really cool thing you can do is put a candle in a ring of salt, carve the name of the person with whom you are hoping to speak to upon the candle, as you put it in that ring of salt, say that any spiritual entities that communicate with you in this capacity are beholden to the confines of that circle. Said differently, like, no ghosts are allowed outside of this ring of salt, right? Like, no, no dead people can cross this salt ring, right? And then you can, so this is like really level one mediumship, kind of beginner kind of trick. Carve their name. If you don't, if you're not trying to talk to a specific person, you're just trying to talk to whoever is like haunting your house or whatever, you can just write like the ghost that lives here, like whatever you want. You don't even have to write anything. And then you light that candle and you talk to it and you say, okay, candle, and much like a pendulum, but without the lying fuckery of a pendulum, 
But much like a pendulum, you can be like, show me what yes is, show me what no is, show me what maybe is, show me what I don't know is, right? And the candle flame will respond to these questions. And then you can start to ask that candle some questions um, in alignment with whatever you're trying to find out from the loved one who has passed. Now, if we're just trying to go direct and like just like actually talk to the spirit of this person through our channel, you want to invite them in and then allow yourself to be completely clear of any and all expectations as to how it's going to go. And by that, I mean like I have experienced so many different weird things that have happened during mediumship readings. And it is because of my willingness to radically observe the energy rather than make it make sense because you're not being quizzed during a reading. You are sharing, okay? Because <clears throat> you're not creating the information. You're the channel of the information. So I have had so many weird things happen that it's very clear to me that we must not go into it with any form of expectation whatsoever. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I was doing a mediumship reading once and I was trying to talk to this lady. Um, her grandmom had passed and I was trying to talk to the grandmom and my energy kept feeling like it was like looking around a corner and then looking back behind the corner and like peeking out around the corner and then hiding and then peeking out and then hiding. Now, if I hadn't been as experienced as I was, I might have been like, what the fuck? I'm not, I don't know what to say right now. But because I'm me, I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm experiencing. My client said, oh my God. And I was like, what? And she said, I just had a dream two nights ago where my grandmother was looking around a corner and then going behind it and then looking around a corner and then going behind it. How did you know that? And my answer was, I didn't. She just told me. <laughs> she did that. But because I was narrating this weird sensation, this weird experience that I was having, I was able to validate something for my client. If I had gotten all trapped and lost in my mind, I wouldn't have been able to do that. There are other times in which I will have the experience, like at another point in a different medium reading, um, I was talking to a guy about his dad and all of a sudden my whole body became overwhelmingly nauseous as if I was looking upon something horrible and I had had enough experience at that time that I said, oh no, I was like, this was a very gruesome passing based on what I'm experiencing. Because I had also had a flash just quick enough for me to, to grasp it, but not quick enough to, not long enough to traumatize me of a very gruesome scene. But the nausea and the gazing upon something I hated was what was really the predominant experience that I had. And he said, yes, it was a very gruesome accident. I found him after a really terrible thing had happened, which I won't go into the details of. It is in this way that we are able to narrate what we're experiencing. And in that way, we are able to provide the client with the information that they need. <clears throat> I, in other mediumship readings, um, for example, so 
in one of the readings that I had, a woman who had passed had described to me this very specific location in a closet behind some shoes in a box where there was a photograph and I was able to describe with accuracy this specific photograph. Now for some reason whenever I'm doing mediumship work and they describe a photograph to me it always it always exists it's always a real thing that I that's tangible. Um, at the time of the reading this lady was like I had no I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that photo. Um, and a couple months later, she messaged me to be like, oh, I was finally cleaning out like the um, downstairs at my dad's house and I found the photograph exactly where you said it was. We simply have to be willing to observe. So if you're in a mediumship space, it's not going to feel like your intuition. It's not going to feel like your guide's telling you answers. It's going to feel like the energy of someone trying their best to give you information in the way that they know how to do that. So if, for example, I have, I'm in a medium space and I open up my channel and I call forth that person and there's kind of a pause or a hesitancy or like <clears throat> a politeness about the thing, that is also information to me. I can be like, the energy feels a little paused and polite. Um, so that to me says that your person is generally waits to be asked before they jump in to a conversation or they value politeness or they value decorum. And whenever I narrate that kind of experience, it's always completely accurate because I am not tied to what they want to hear I am not tied to what I think I'm supposed to say. I am merely a channel. And as that energy flows through me, I describe what's happening in a way in which it makes sense to the person who is listening. Because I am channeling their loved one. I am talking with their loved one. <clears throat> But just like when you meet somebody new and you want to have a conversation with them, you kind of have to find your footing. It's a little bit tricky at first when you're talking to someone new to have a conversation and to figure out, well, what's this person's communication style? What are they like? How do they do it? You have to give yourself that same grace when you're in a mediumship space. And they will sometimes describe to you the smallest, most strangest thing ever. And they often do that specifically for the benefit of the client because the client needs to know that you are really talking about them. I had a recent reading and um, a couple days after the fact, the woman who had passed that I had been speaking to was very, very present in my space that day. And this isn't unusual. They often kind of come back and visit me a little, a little bit and just like check in. But she was like, you need to message her, meaning the client. <clears throat> Just tell her I'm, I'm around today and I'm with her. So I did. I said, hey, mom's here. She just wants you to know that she's with you today. And my client responded, oh, well, that's because today's her birthday. Thank you for telling me. Now, if I was full of self-doubt or if I was like, not in an observant mode, I would write off a lot of these things. And this is why I believe that all of us are receiving so much more information than we realize. 
It's just that most people haven't trained themselves to observe themselves. Most people are really in themselves very deeply and believe everything or actually conversely they disbelieve and distrust themselves so much that they don't pay any credence to the things that are coming through to them. But that's a, another method of like truncating yourself and like cutting off your own self from yourself and like invalidating your own gifts. Whereas I've made it my mission to kind of just get very observational of myself. And so that is why I'm able to know, oh, something's coming through. Because I have spent so much time observing and connecting to what is mine and what is not. And having those boundaries and being willing to have those boundaries. That now it's so clear for me when something's coming into my space rather than being created from my space. There is a certain vibe that might fill your atmosphere when you're doing some mediumship work. And rather than waste your own time by analyzing whether that's right or how it's supposed to be or any of these questions that have no answers, I'd rather you just lean into trusting it and to playing with it. But fear can get in our way. Fear can like knock us down and make us paralyzed and make us like unable to proceed. And I don't want that for you. So I want you to like eradicate fear, lean on self-trust, and get super observational. Observe all the little things, even the things that aren't being said. Okay? If you have questions about mediumship or anything like that, you can send me a message. Um, and I know I'm like leaning on this pretty heavy, but like I created this as a resource on purpose. I really would like you to join me in the academy because I teach these things in depth over there. That's why I have the space because I was getting so many questions, so many questions, so many questions, and I knew the answers. But I don't have time, unfortunately, because I have to earn income to write all of those answers to everybody. But what I could do was create an affordable space to share those answers with you so that we all kind of win. I think that it would be cool to also bookend this episode with a conversation about past lives because we're talking about people who have passed and then we can kind of like transition a little bit and chat about past lives. Now I think I do have a previous episode about past lives but I want to chat with you about like just my understanding of what our past lives are and like what we can do about them and I did teach a class um, on past lives in the academy too. So I am of the belief, and what my guides have sort of talked to me about, is that, yes, we can have multitudes of lives. I don't really believe in the concept of an old soul. I do think we tend to have favorites, like favorite kinds of vibrations that we like to incarnate as. So perhaps there's someone who really likes to be a warrior and like that will change forms as like time progresses on. And so like a person who might have been like an actual tangible warrior, they might be in the service now 
or they might be like a bodyguard or they might be like on like um whatever it's called like the people who fight like pirating on the internet like you know what I mean like it could be like a cyber warrior at this point like there's lots of ways that that energy can manifest um into a more modern lifestyle but I do think we have favorite kinds of lives that we incarnate into. So my theory with anyone who is being dubbed like an old soul, for me, I think that translates into like, oh, you like to incarnate in this this style of life and you've done this style of life multiple times. <clears throat> I know from my own past life memories that I tend to really always incarnate in some type of witchy spiritual oracle kind of capacity. Mostly I think it's because I'm a big baby and I don't like feeling all alone here in this realm. That's my real honest truth. I really think the bravest people are atheists. I just like really feel like you have to be so brave. It's like walking into a dark cave without a flashlight or a torch or anything. Meanwhile, I won't go into the dark cave unless I have like my ring light and a flashlight and a torch and a guide and a dog. Like that's how I feel like I incarnate. Like I incarnate with, like one foot still in the other realm because I don't want to be left alone here fuck that. No thanks. But the atheists are just like, nah, I'm good. I'll just like brave it alone. <laughs> I'm like, how do you do that? It's so amazing to me, but also like, wow. Um, but anyway, as I like ramble. So I think that when we're an old soul, we've just kind of been doing a similar vibe for a minute because we just enjoy it. But I don't really think that anybody's soul is innately older than anybody else's soul. I just find that like really judgy and hierarchical in some type of way. Now, your mileage may vary. That might not bother you. Like whatever. If you really like take pride in being an old soul, like go ahead, wear the badge, like do the thing. Who? The None of us actually know the answer. We're all just kind of like trying to figure it out right so I also think though that when it comes to past lives like we are not beholden to linear time <clears throat> and this gets a little tricky to kind of discuss but I'm going to try my best we think of time as like um like a line like a like something that moves forward from left to right but time is really like a mountain building upon itself it's not going anywhere there's no forward momentum to it it is just like piling on top of itself and quite frankly it's all happening at once and science tells us that like the far if you can like get ahead of the light you can look back and see all of it you know it's all already done and it's all concurrently happening and because of this I do want to share like a thing that sometimes feels rather mind-blowing to people but that is that you can have past lives that have taken place in the future like the technical future like you have probably already lived a couple lives in time eras that are a hundred years from now or several hundred years from now or whenever they are. Because time is kind of fake. It's just like a construct. And time really only exists due to um, the tangibility of like reality and the fact that like space exists and matter exists and there's gravity. And so like because of that, like of course we have to have time because time requires movement in order to exist. But yet like who's to say I can't blip into whatever portion of events like it's all happening at the same moment. Because outside of this reality in which there is gravity and movement, 
movement, it is contained in a bubble which contains none of that. And so if I'm blipped into this reality, but I'm coming from the bubble that doesn't have it, the container that holds it has the absence of it. It has to by the nature of duality. Like if I'm blipping in from that place, I can just blip in whenever. So time is fake and real. <laughs> um, and then here's the next layer. So if, if, if we can understand and grasp based on what I just said that you could have a past life that's in the future, you can also be having um, a past life that is happening right now as well. I'm just going to let that one like linger for a second. Like you very much might be incarnated somewhere else on this planet at this exact moment. Like both y'all could be listening to me right now. <laughs> oh man, I love I love to do that and I'm sorry at the same time. So aside from the mind-blowing like weird things I just said to you, <clears throat> our past lives um exist for a multitude of reasons. Now there's a lot of people who believe that we are here learning lessons. As y'all know, I truly despise some of that because I just think that it is like um, sort of making trauma like have a purpose. And that to me is gross and I don't agree with it. Um, I don't necessarily think that we're here learning lessons. I think we're here for the experience of it. And I think that's a good enough reason. And I don't think we need to like write an essay on why that's a good enough reason because that feels a little gaslighty. Like I really think that we are just here in a neutral capacity. But also I am very aware that the universe is attempting to organize itself. Let's go off the premise that the Big Bang happened and like everything exploded into everywhere, right? And I think I've talked about this too. But now the universe is like, oh, Jesus, toddler ran through, everything got messed up, let's pick up all the pieces, and it's just trying to put everything back together. And our participation in this form of reality allows us to help with that, unless we ignore our free will and we don't become the person we're supposed to be, in which we cause more chaos. But that's what free will offers us, right? The opportunity to either help or cause chaos, fundamentally that's what free will is do you want to like be complicit in creating more harmony and positivity or do you want to like fuck things up even more you can do anything you want free will and so like I would love to encourage us all and that is like my entire life's mission to use our free will for positivity and for good and for like yay but we all can do whatever we want but if we're using our free will to kind of create more alignment, then that means we're doing the self-work that I ramble on here on this podcast about, which is like finding out who we are and then having the courage to be it and then giving it all away for, to the collective because that's what helps the universe get organized again with itself. That is what it is doing it for. And so our past lives aren't necessarily here to teach us something. I think they're really here for us to just have the experience what was it like to be like a sailor pirate in the 1600s? That sounds like fun. Let me go try that out. And then I'm in the life and I have like scurvy and I hate it and it's hot and I'm like injured. And I'm like, why did I think this was a good idea? Didn't consider any of that when I was like checking the check boxes, right? So then we do a different one. Then we're like, you know what? I didn't like that life. Too hot, too painful. Like maybe I'll go like live in a palace in like Switzerland somewhere and just like chill out with like nice scenery. 
And then I get there and it's like cold and like I'm a peasant and I like live near a palace because I wasn't specific enough. Like, you know, whatever. I just think we're here having experiences. That is what I think we're doing. And those experiences can either contribute to a greater whole or like a, a greater thing that we're trying to fulfill or they don't. But I do think that regardless of whatever reason we're signing up, we have to do that self-work to allow ourselves to embrace the the purpose of the life we're trying to have. So if I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to know what it's like to live a life of art, okay? I'm going to become incarnated in a body that has the potential to create great art. But because we have free will and because we're starting at zero, a.k.a. the moment of like the first breath of birth, we are starting from scratch. So we have to like we forget what we signed up for because we're here. Right. Go refer to my morning star episode if you want to understand why we forget what we signed up for. But we forget what we signed up for because we're here. So we're starting at scratch. So now it's like. Our job becomes to like hear that reminder that we left for ourselves in our soul that was like, yo, you signed up to be a great artist because we're just going to start to like grow and become a person and like remember how to walk and talk again and all that stuff and figure out the family dynamic. And by the time we reach a level of autonomy and consciousness around like age like 14 or 13, 14, or 15, we are like so far removed from that like thesis statement, the premise with which we signed up for the gig, that we're just like, uh, what am I doing here? And we have secret callings in our heart that kind of direct us there. And they're like, you like to draw, like you like paint, like let me put this guy who's a really good artist near you. And like, you're going to feel like you want to sit with him, like go sit with him. But based on the things that have happened to us since we were born, we might or might not feel comfortable going and sitting with that guy or pursuing that talent. And that is our work because that thing will continuously whisper to us because that was the reason we came. And, like, the universe gave us the right body. It gave us the right, like, set of situations so that if we put in the effort, we can do the thing and have success. And that's why I want you to go find my episode called What You Want Is Meant For You because, like, you are supposed to do these things. If you have anything nudging you in your soul, OMG, like, that's there on purpose. Like, you're going to be successful. Like, you are supposed to do it. But we have to, like, destroy all the conditioning that tells us we're not. And so based on our success level with that, then we either do or do not get to fulfill that life goal. And the people who live lives of art whether they become known or not they fulfilled that goal and that goal might look differently depending on the body in which we're incarnated at that current time and that goal might be like yeah like my version of art is through conversation and being persuasive and thinking thoughts and like sharing these really vibrant ideas with people. And so those people might become philosophers, but they're still living a life that's artistic. Or somebody else's idea of living a life of art might be like, I love to set up spaces so they feel really harmonious and like they have certain energies about them. And they might become like interior designers or like architects or like landscape designers. Who knows? But the thing of it is, is to figure out what that impulse is, because that's your calling and that's your purpose. And maybe we have to have multiple tries in order to get those things done. And maybe that's one reason why we incarnate so many times. 
you will find clues as to what your past lives were in your daydreams. The places that you kind of dip out to and visualize or the way that certain spaces within yourself feel, they're often soul memories that you carry. If you do guided meditations and they have you sit in a safe space, often that's a space that was like very spiritually charged for you in a previous incarnation. The ways in which you've ever, like, if you ever had this moment where you, like, run into somebody and you're like, oh, my God, I recognize you. That's usually someone you've known in a past life. And it doesn't have to mean that you have to know them in this life. Some things just are. Some moments just are. And that's okay. Our past lives kind of, like, reverberate within us in our current lives because... I really like to think that the structure of our spirit molds itself based on the experiences that it has. And so if we create positive and uplifting and enlightening experiences for ourselves in our current life, we show up in a way that is more positive and uplifted and enlightened in our next. And if we're subjected to a lot of trauma and pain and heartache, and we don't process it or heal it or work with it, we show up in a space that has some woundedness about itself in the next. And all of these things just are. And that's okay. But the second we become observational about ourselves, we're able to sort of feel like what needs to be healed, what needs to be praised, what needs to be celebrated, what needs to be comforted, And how can I do those things? And many people want to know about their past lives, but they don't know how to. But many of them haven't done this very basic thing, which I will share with you now. And I want you to just kind of like talk to your guides or put your hands out and just be like, I want to know more about my past lives. Bring me information in a way that I can recognize and understand about my past lives. Help me to remember my past lives and then visualize yourself like your channel on your crown opening up and like this divine information just like pouring through you. We want a thing, but we forget to ask for it. So do that. And then like, as I said, with the medium work, step aside yourself and observe what you receive and allow it to be real. And allow it to be true. No one's going to come by and like audit you and be like, oh, that's wrong. Like no one's going to do that. But what if it's not wrong? And what if that information is available to you? And one last thing I'd like you to try that I think is really cool. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to realize, and I know I've said this too, that the remains of your previous lives are buried on this earth somewhere. Your own tangible remains exist in the soil of this world somewhere and potentially on other worlds. You know, the dust of like the cremains of your previous bodies is blowing through the wind. And so I want you to activate the parts of yourselves that exist here that you've left behind. And I want you to call forth all of the positive energetic lessons and information that you acquired in those lifetimes. And I want you to summon all that positive energy left behind from your previous selves back into your own body. 
Turn yourself into a magnet for your own energy and call it home. And as you do so, be willing to receive the wisdom, the knowledge, and the information that you have left for yourself here and offer gratitude for receiving it. Pay attention to your dreams. Pay attention to the people that you know. Pay attention to the people that you recognize. Pay attention to your fears because often your fears are rooted in a past life situation that happened. And just because something has already happened doesn't mean it will happen again. In fact, I would say the likelihood of it happening again if it already happened is pretty slim. Pay attention to the places that you wander off to into your daydreams. Pay attention to the places that you feel naturally called to, geographic or otherwise. Pay attention to the people that you gravitate towards. Pay attention to the things that you know you want nothing to do with. I did a past life reading for someone once and she was like very much like, and I didn't know this about her until afterwards, but she was very much like not wanting children. And in her past life reading, before I knew that about her, I was like, oh my gosh, you have two lives in which you've had a multitude of children. And in the most recent one, there was like a really bad illness that went through and it claimed several of your children and that grief was just terrible for you. And she was like, yeah, that makes so much sense because I've always been afraid that if I had children, I would lose them and I really don't want to have any children. That's, I have zero inclination to have children in this life. And I was like, well, yeah, because you already checked that box like 20 different times over there in those other lives. Pay attention to what you are naturally drawn towards and what you naturally kind of hide away from because they all give you clues as to who you've been before, which helps you to figure out who you are now, right? Thank you for listening to my episode 10 of season 6. It has been such a joy to share this season with you all. And I will be back soon. I was going to say shortly, and then I was going to say soon, so I just said soon. I will be back soon, and I will be doing something cool in our next season, but I will also be doing um, lots of this as well. So thank you so much, and if you have questions for me about anything at all, or if you want info on joining my academy, or if you want to just follow us on TikTok, or whatever you want to do, please search me on all the things, and find me under Moonstone Witchery, and I love you lots, and we'll talk to you soon.